Mark Warabia, 1981 Siena grad in marketing and management, has been the director of philanthropy at Make-A-Wish of Northeastern New York since January of 2012. Before that, he was executive director of Wildwood Foundation and was an RPI fundraiser. He's also worked for the financial services firm ACO, which is now a Goldman Sachs company. Born in Little Falls, New York, he resides right here in Loudonville with his wife, Elaine. He's also a Siena season ticket holder for the men's basketball team, and God bless you <laughs> with this year. And he's also on the Dean's Advisory Council for Siena's prestigious business school. Welcome, Mark Warabee. Thank you, Mark. Great to be here. Great to see you. What a great man you are, really. I know you have a big heart, and Make-A-Wish uh, is where big hearts begin. For those people who don't know, ex- explain what Make-A-Wish is. Up north sure, and it's a real simple mission. Our objective, our goal is to provide the heartfelt wish of every eligible child. Now, I think a lot of people are familiar. It seems like they're kids with cancer, and it first came out, and it, you know, see the bald little kids, eight years old, it just uh, tugs at your heartstrings. But it isn't just for kids with cancer, is it? It's for the life-threatening illnesses, I You believe. got it. Yeah. You got it. Any yeah. life-threatening medical condition, as long as the doctor signs off, we've got certain parameters, but yeah. by and large, uh, we grant those wishes. And I'm pleased to say that many of the children that, that we serve go on to live full and productive lives. And in fact, as best we can tell right now, uh, we've, we're proud of the fact that this past year we served over thir- our 13th Hundred wish for our chapter, which covers the five one eight area code, the fifteen counties, okay. in the five one eight yeah. area code, and um, approximately eighty percent of those children that we're aware of are still alive. Okay, yeah, I think it started. Uh, a kid was dying of cancer, and they just wanted to send him. I think it was Disney World or something like that. Christopher Gracious was a seven year old boy okay. who became an Arizona State Trooper, and shortly after his wish, he unfortunately passed away. But there's Christopher's legacy is that he created. There was something magical in that moment that people said, we've got something here. Mm-hmm. And today, we're not only a national, but an international organization. And within the United States, we have over 60 chapters around the country. All right. So, and people just contact you if they know of someone. And it has to be a kid. Uh, requirements uh, under a certain age? Or yep. Something? Between two and a half and 18 okay. when the referrals take place. Anybody is free to contact our office. Um, but what we do want is a couple things. One, we want the families to be on board with this. People have different oh, perspectives. Sure. Yeah. Some and don't the med- want with the, yeah. And the medical community to uh, to approve of that. Verify it. Yep. Do, do you get people try to s- sneak through that aren't? Not, not usually. I mean, un- sometimes there's unusual. confusion as far as what our mission is. That's probably more yep. common than anything else. Yeah. So it, this is stuff that they, you provide. Uh, it's a, whatever their dream is, you try to provide it as best you can, and you don't. Uh, they get it for free. Correct. Uh, although the, not that's free, you know, you find, how do you, where do you get the money? Is it all just donations? Yes. We, we receive no government funding. So it's all individuals, corporations, foundations. There's a lot of events that take place. Um, takes a village and we're fortunate to have a great village. Mm-hmm. So, and it's no government funding. It's, it's, it, people think it's worthwhile and they're willing to write checks and that's how you exist. Correct. Right. And, and um, I, you must have more requests than you're able to fulfill, Mark. Not really. We're um, oh, really? granting about 100 wishes a year, and medical outreach is really important. So that's one of the reasons I'm grateful to be here today, Mark, is sure. that, uh, you know, again, there's certain limitations and parameters, but, uh, you know, if people have a question, it doesn't hurt to, to call our office. Oh, sure. And just to tack on to the mission, our goal is to provide hope, strength, and joy um, to the human experience. And as my boss says it in a real nice way, we provide joy for the present, hope for the future, and the strength to get through it all. And your boss is who? William Trigg, 
who's our CEO of our chapter. Okay. Um, how do you provide hope in that you're not doctors or anything like that? You're just, you're, you're trying, it's a hard time, and you're, you're trying to bring some happiness. How, do you, how does hope fit into the equation? Well, I think probably the thing that we can all look forward to or relate to is something that we can look forward to, like a vacation. Oh, okay. Um, and what happens is, you know, so often when children are encountering these situations, they have their routines and it's important. And by the way, there's a lot of people that are involved in this. We play one role, but we, we think a significant role. Yeah. Um, and if we can provide a distraction and for the family to focus on something different that isn't the medically related yeah. issues. Yeah. And the, one of the sound bites that we've heard from families after the experience is, you let us be a family again. We were able to go do something. And there's four categories of wishes. I want to be, I want to have, I want to go, I want to meet. Um, and our volunteers, and we've got a great volunteer force, they're, what they really try to do is get to the heart of what is it the child really wants and structure that accordingly. And mm. it's, it's amazing what kids will come up so with. So do you interview kids to kind of find out what they really want most? Yeah. Or do they come to you with an idea or, or both? Well, after, what, the process works is after they've um, been referred and it, we now have volunteers meet with the family and the child, some children are able to communicate their interests better than others. Yeah. Um, and we just, it's an interview, and, and we train our volunteers to go through the interview and really get to the bottom of what's, what is it that the child wants. Mm-hmm. And then uh, try to paint the vision uh, for what they can realize. And uh, have you have they ever had a wish you couldn't fulfill? Um, there are wishes. For example, the national organization may have some parameters. Um, I think recently another chapter did ask have some child who wanted to go to outer space. Oh, okay. I mean, there you go. Yeah. But it's not. We usually get get them you done. Find a way. Yeah. yeah. Find a way. Yeah. And fortunately, we've had enough support from the medical or from the community at large, well, the medical community, where um, we've had the funding, so it's never been a limitation of funding. And we've just granted our lo- our most expensive cash wish this past summer. We sent a young woman to the Olympics with her brother and her, and her parents, and uh, that was the most expensive wish. Um, fortunately, not all of them cost that much, but it, that doesn't really matter to us. We'll find a way to make it happen. Does... Uh do you, do you? Of course, you get the contributions in order to fund this. But do uh, the the people who are part of the dream help you? For example, did the Olympics help you at all, or was it no? Just get in line and buy the tickets. Yeah, I'm yeah. kind of curious, is because sometimes I imagine the, the the people that are part of the dream are willing to help as well. Oh, and that's one of the, we call it the power of a wish, yeah. and it's really cool to see the impact. And I think that's one of the significant pieces that I I really enjoy about the mission, is so often when a, a child is ill. Net, it's it's human nature to to want to extend sympathy and empathy, and that's a good thing. But when a child gets a wish, all of a sudden they almost become a rock star, and the community rallies around it. And the inspiration I'm inspired by the stories that that I see. Um, and actually, there's a couple Siena students here who have had wishes that I know about, and I, there's probably even more and other people here who have been involved. Um, there are there's current Siena students who got wishes met when they were younger. Yes. And they're uh, obviously still alive. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So you said something interesting. 80% are living. The, the, the wishes you grant, the 80% are still living. So I guess my question is, Mark, is if the goal is to, is to get people, uh, particularly children who, who may not have a future, it seems to, uh, it's glad that they are a future is developing, but aren't you uh, guessing wrong, I guess? I don't know if that's the right term. Or 
because ultimately you want to steer your resources to those who really are uh, who need it the most, and that is to say the ones who are terminal. Is it why are they not terminal? Because we're making so many advances in medicine. Yeah, um, it's it's life threatening. It doesn't it's not usually terminal. Okay. Um, but, but you do get terminal cases, I would think. Yes. Yeah, that's, some, that, that's, of course, life-threatening. Yeah. And sometimes that's in short order, and that will shape the wish because there are certain limitations. For example, yep. we may do something in a hospital just because of the, the limitations there. Yeah. yeah. But I think, Mark, the other thing that stuck with me early on in my career at Make-A-Wish, a grandmother said to me, who had unfortunately lost their child, is that that meant so much to them because they had a memory to hold on to that was a positive reuniting, and that, that stays with the family forever. And mm-hmm. that, that's really cool stuff. Uh, it must be hard for you to uh, pick your favorite because you, you say you're inspired by just about all of them because uh, each of the kids become a rock star, as you put it. And um, I think, yeah, and I, I think if one of the questions that was asked of me, and you may want to think of it yourself, is if you were granted a wish, let's, you know, not just think about what would you ask, ask for? That's a really tough question for many adults to ask to answer, but uh, for children, let the imagination yeah. go, yeah. and that's part of the the excitement here. But as far as one of the the Olympic wish was a great wish that involved um, a number of people that I had the opportunity to meet with, and recently, and this is one of the other cool parts, um, there was a young woman whom whose wish was to meet David Beckham, and that happened, and then this fall, Joe Fitzgerald, who you may know asked me to participate in a leadership conference, and it was on nonprofits. And he said, you know, you can tell a story or bring a video. And I said, Joe, I got something better than that. I can bring the WISH recipient. And she's now a freshman at Hudson Valley, mm. and she came and she shared her story, and it was great, great inspiration for everybody. Oh, sure. And so the chance to work with the – I'm inspired, and the, I'm honored when I get a chance to work with these people beyond – their wishes and it's it's good stuff. Yeah, that's that's yeah. We uh, we call that a testimonial, <laughs> but it's a very powerful testimony when this person with a life threatening disease says how much uh, Make a Wish would help them, and uh, putting it all together. You got to be good at uh, what's that commercial logistics. <laughs> <laughs> well, fortunately, we've got some great program and volunteer staff who take care of that because there are a lot of details and moving parts, sure. and you really need staff involved. And we're very fortunate to have had great staff. And continue to have great staff. How, how large is the staff? We have nine people on staff locally. And they all have to be funded by the, the contribution, so you, you have to keep getting out there. Now, director of philanthropy means what? you got to bring in the money? <laughs> yes, and, and again, my CEO is great about getting out there. He, oh, sure. Yeah, he's yeah. passionate about the mission, yeah. and he's willing to roll up his sleeves. We actually are in the process of filling another slot um, for because we, we do have a lot of events, and um, that takes a lot of time, and that's not necessarily my – where I focus my time, it's but it's individuals, corps, and foundations that we, we work with, corps being corporations. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, we're going to take a break. Uh, uh, we're here with Mark Warby, a 1981 Siena grad, who's the director of philanthropy at Make-A-Wish of Northeastern New York. When we come back, we're going to talk about some Mark Siena days and his love for Siena basketball. God bless you when the Siena Alumni Connection returns. Welcome back to the Siena Alumni Connection. I'm Mark Grimm, public speaker, speaking coach, and corporate trainer, and media relations specialist. Our guest is the fabulous Mark Warabee. He is with Make-A-Wish of Northeastern New York. That's a great brand. Everybody loves Make-A-Wish, Mark, and you, you have done so well with explaining uh, just how it all works. Thank By you. the way, how does somebody contact Make-A-Wish? You, 
best thing, just Google Make-A-Wish Northeast New York. Yep. Um, and there's ways of contributing. Uh, there's we contribute, contribute online. Yeah. You can give us a shout. Okay. We're, somebody will always pick up the phone. Oh, good. During okay. business hours. All right, that's easy. That's really easy. Uh, so your Sienna connection, you've got a great Sienna connection. Of course, you went to school here, but uh, you're a season ticket holder. And I say, bless you, we've had some hard times uh, <laughs> lately. Uh, tell me about your love of Sienna. Well, I had a great college experience, and especially on the social level, which many of the students here, when I was here, would, would acknowledge. But uh, the, can, the, the relationships that you establish here at Siena going forward, um, it helps you in your career. It helps in a number of different ways, and I, I valued that. And for a variety of reasons, I've stayed involved. Um, as we were talking earlier, I'm on the Dean's Advisory Council here. And what does that, what do you do? Um, Give advice? <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, elaborate a little more on that, the Dean's well, Advisory I, I Council think for, uh, for Jeff Mello. I'd like to say it's a, it's a mutually beneficial arrangement where the we get to see as alums what's going on with the students, and hopefully that can come back to benefit Siena in that there's connections that are then mm-hmm. um, made and, and, and opportunities that way. But I think it, it reinforces for all of us on the, on the and you meet new people as a member um, that you may not have been connected with. So there, you know, there's other opportunities to connect sure. folks. Um, but yeah, we meet periodically. I'm guessing about three or four times a year. And um, Jeff Mello, the dean, provides an update on what's going on, and we provide feedback. And it's just a, a good give and take back mm-hmm. and forth. How did you get on that? I was actually when when Jim Nolan was the dean. Oh. I was invited to to participate, and Jeff. I'm grateful decided to to hold me over, and so there I am. Oh, good. Uh, the, uh, the famous Jim Nolan, who's yep. uh, doing so much better now, and uh, he was he was the first guest on the CN Alumni Connection, really, uh, almost nine years ago, and he's been on uh, since. Um, okay, uh, what do you remember about your Siena days, Mark? You're 81, which means whoa, you were just a kid. You were a freshman. I was the big senior, so you're a little kid on the block there. But time has passed. What do you remember about your Siena days? Well, your four years. Yeah, it yep. was. Um, I lived in Ryan. Again, establish some great relationships. Well, I won't hold that against you. <laughs> <laughs> you were plasma, right? Plasma, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, obviously there was a lot of social events to take, that took place, but uh, good brand of students. Um, and I'll, I'll let this person re- remain anonymous, but at one point uh, he, he described Siena to me as a, play, a college along where, where kids who grow up along the New York State Thruway go to school. Irish, Italian, and Polish children from various communities up and down the New York State Thruway. And I think it's grown much beyond that. I think it's yeah. it's got a, a larger presence today. Um, but, you know, basketball was always big when we were here. It was relatively new in the Division One mm-hmm. era or yep. that I can remember. Um, the facilities obviously have, have grown since that time. But fond memories the, of, of whatever was available, it fostered a, a great opportunity to learn and, and meet people. And that the values, you know, I think uh, the Franciscan tradition is something. It's it's not just a buzz line. I think it's it's really um, carries through. And having been involved with a number of different organizations over the years, I've come to appreciate that history and the founders of an organization really lay a great a groundwork that, in most instances, still carries through to some extent as time goes on. And I think the founding of Siena, there's some things that you see today that were put in place when this first place, when this place was first mm-hmm. organized. You do have some connection with the students, obviously, with the advisory Absolutely. council. What are they like? I'm impressed. What I think the first thing that comes to mind is um, 
there's a panel, a capstone course, where students team up of different business disciplines, so accounting, finance, marketing, and so forth, um, and they make presentations to panels of members from the business community who are either alums or not alums. And it's a great way to see the students in action. And having done this for a few years now, I've seen the progression, and every year it gets better. So that, you fire at them, don't you? They come there with the idea, and you do, you don't uh, sugarcoat it, from what yeah, I understand, because exactly. we've had we've had capstone people on the show. Yeah, yeah, and I got to think from their perspective, it's not a comfortable situation to be in, but it's a great growing experience, and it's one of those love hates where, on one hand, I hate to go in there and do it, but after they do it, they love it and they eat it up and they want more. Mm, yeah, and uh, it is the way to learn because it's a it's a you know it's a I don't want to say a loving environment because you, you do want those uh, students to succeed, but uh, uh, they're not going to succeed if you're marshmallowing them either. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, um, all right. It's uh, what's your your love? You love Seattle basketball. You always have. Yep. Uh, and you're you're sticking you stick with them. <laughs> and yeah. Thick or thin, right? <laughs> yeah. I think there's the opportunity. You mentioned earlier you're a season ticket holder. I am, and my wife enjoys the game as much as I do, and I think it is a great opportunity to demonstrate our support and loyalty to the organization. While at times, candidly, it's not always the most fun to, if you're if you're losing, but I also see it a chance to give back to the community as a whole in the sense that the students do play a role within the, the campus community. You've got an interesting background, Mark. Your grandparents owned an, an Irish tavern in Herkimer County, which is out by Utica. Right. And uh, you uh, worked there, and you said that kind of colored, uh, that colored your uh, experiences and the way you look at things. Absolutely. Uh, it was a family business, and your work ethic, the guidance that you got, clear guidance as, as a, a youth, and really good values, and that stuff carries with you. How, does the, how is that personified uh, working at a tavern when you say values? Where are the values that come from what? From your, your family. And in a good example is today in the fundraising profession, the buzzword is donor-centric, and you want to be that. That means what? That means you're thinking of the donor first. How is it? It's not about me, the organization. Mm-hmm. It's what what's meaningful to the donor. And the truth is, if you find a meaningful involvement opportunity for volunteers or a philanthropic opportunity for donors, They'll want to come back. You, you don't have to work as hard because they've had a positive experience. Well, the same holds true in a family business. When you're focused on the customer, you know, it's not, oh, gee, i got to fill these salt and pepper shakers and that customer's bothering me. Hey, you wouldn't have anything to do if it wasn't for that customer. And what's their perspective as they walk into your, your place of business? Yeah. And what's their experience? And all those details that build that experience – it's funny what sticks with you over time. Customer centric, huh? Yep. So now when you're using that today with your donor centric, yeah, it was it was phrased differently, but same concept. Same concept. Just like when giving a speech, it's about the audience. It's not about the speaker. And, and the reason I wrote my my speaking book is so many speaking books were about I want to do this. I have to wear this. And I said, whoa, whoa, you're asking the wrong question. The question is, what's the audience want, and are you going to give it to them? <laughs> right down the line. You also worked on a dairy farm for six years, and that's hard work. Right. Right. And. I jokingly say I was the hay specialist, I think, <laughs> because I didn't have the technical expertise to do a lot of the other stuff. But I it, I have huge appreciation for the farming community, especially the sole proprietors who you've got to be a meteorologist, you've got to be a mechanic, you've got to be a veterinarian, you've got to be all sorts of things. Yeah. And it's hard work. And seven days a week. Correct. And yeah. not 
you know, leisurely hours. It's, uh, but it was, it was a great experience. And again, those experiences carry forward. What happens on a dairy farm? Uh, what, just for folks who haven't been to one, and sure. I'm sure a lot of them haven't. What, In what the morning like? and at night, the cows got to get milked. And there's uh, every twice a day, right? 365 days a year. And yep. I have been away for it. So there may be different farming techniques yeah, that I'm yeah, not familiar yeah. with, Yeah, but you've got to then you know, feed them. And that's where the hay, if you're, if that's the, what your main method and there's different yep. pieces to that. So I don't pro- profess to be a farming expert anymore, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's one product and you just keep at it and keep at it. And there's a lot of variables that come your way and it's how you respond to those variables. For example, you might be sitting down for lunch after working really hard and guess what? The clouds roll in and you better get out there and take that. Hey, you learn to adjust. Mm-hmm. And, uh, again, simple illustration, but very meaningful. You were a financial services guy, yep. a money guy. And then yep. how, now you're at Make-A-Wish and uh, you wow, which was, uh, which is a nonprofit. How did you wind up uh, as a nonprofit when you started out as this, uh, Money man, that is a great question, and it plays back into Siena College. And it's going to talk to the. We're going to talk about the values that you learned at your Irish tavern. Okay. The um, when I first got out of Siena, somebody contacted me and said, "Would you like to participate in the annual fund?" Didn't even know what it was, but basically they wanted me to call and tell them to call some classmates and ask them to support the school, which I did. Well, in the world of nonprofits, no good deed goes unpunished. So, and I say that jokingly and lovingly, but uh, they. I got other opportunities with more responsibility as a volunteer. All along, I started learning about nonprofits and how they work. Well, at the same time, I was building my career, and I really enjoy the financial planning aspects, and I'm grateful for the opportunities I had there. But I was looking for a way to blend my charitable giving inclinations with my financial planning, and that's when I decided to get yeah, into That's the what they met, world. huh? Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, and obviously uh, you have to have money to do all these wishes, to grant all these wishes. So there has to be a practical component to it and to, to pay the staff, and they've got to have health insurance and all that jazz. Uh, but it seems like you're happy. I am. What satisfies you most? Well, I think, you know, when you boil it down, we as human beings are always, a lot of us at least, but I think most people are looking to make a difference in this world. And, yes, we need to pay the bills and uh, make, make the financial things work. But when you can go to work every day and feel like you're making a difference, that and that can happen in the nonprofit as well as the for-profit world. I'm just feel fortunate that I kind of, I feel I found my niche and I'm I'm really happy with it. And it, it's work at times, but it's it's, it's good work and uh, we're making some good progress. Okay, Mark Warabi, thanks for being our guest on the CN Alumni Connection. You're highly regarded and, and very well thought of, Mark, and you're I know you're making a difference at Make a Wish, and they are fortunate to have you. Thank you, Mark. Mark Warby, our Director of Philanthropy. I love that title at the Make-A-Wish of Northeastern New York. And just Google uh, Make-A-Wish of Northeastern New York to, to find out more about how you can help out and certainly to contact Mark if you can. Uh, we'll mention next week our guest is going to be Alex Mazza. He's interesting. Uh, he is a, a computer science grad who assists oncologists with clinical trials. How about that for some important work? He is our guest next week. Coming up. Next on FM 88.3, The Saint, one of the best political interview shows you can find anywhere. Capital Press Room with our Susie, Susan Arbetter. So stay right here. The Santa Alumni Connection is directed by Darren Scott. I'm your executive producer host, Mark Grimm of Mark Grimm Communications at markgrimm.com. Hey, knock them dead and keep connected with the Siena Alumni Connection.